You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2309 North Broad Street. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. I want you to think about what home means to you or what reminds you of home. Some of you have distinct memories of this. Um, there might be a smell that reminds you that you're home. There might be a taste or an experience or something that happens when you know this is, uh, this is where you belong. My mom had a, has a, my mom's in Egypt right now. That's where she's from and she has a sense of a home when she's there. She's lived in the United States since like 82 or something like that. But she has never really felt at home here. And, 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 and if you asked her, she'd like to be in Egypt. That's, that's where she would, that's where she would uh, like to live, even. She can't, of course, because she has five grandchildren. So she always says, if they come with me, then I'll go. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, that's not going to happen. But, you know, when she, when she descends into Cairo, and she, you, you see the pyramids, right? And she, she, there's always a, uh, an, an, and she has an emotional reaction to coming back to something that clearly symbolizes home for her. You might have something like that too, or something in your upbringing that uh, reminds you of home. Maybe something here. You know, I have, uh, I have things that remind me of home too. But being in Philadelphia for this long, it also feels like home for me. There's some comfort that I that I uh, iner- uh, invariably get. Um, no matter which way I'm coming into the city, there's something that I see that reminds me, oh, we're back. We made it. This is where I belong. And I have such a connection to the town that it could be like a day trip. I could be gone for like eight hours, and I'm like, oh, we're back. We're finally back home. I missed it. Um, I missed being separate. I hope that you have an idea like that. Um, and if you do, cherish it. Because a lot of people right now are thinking about what their home is. And they can't quite find it. They don't know exactly what it is. And if they do have it, they feel the need to protect it for some reason from invaders who might mess it up. So if you feel like you have it, that's good. A lot of people don't. My cousin, who's also Egyptian, she moved back to Egypt recently. Really interesting story. Because she grew up in the United States. But wanted to get a closer... Uh, picture of where she was from or where her parents came from. So she, she moved there and she says she's permanently there. She's been there for two years and she's a musician and she's an actor and she brings her experience as a person that hasn't quite found a home even in the United States and she kind of feels like she's a, a woman without a country. She's, uh, she asked me to help edit one of her, uh, a grant of hers this week. And so I, lo- I, I was able to hear some of her story. In the United States, and uh, she's, a, she's a, an Egyptian brown woman who is a daughter of immigrants. In Egypt, she's an American immigrant with broken Arabic. Do you get the idea there? That sense of, uh, I, don't, I don't mean to say this too lightly, but that sense of homelessness, she doesn't quite fit in. She doesn't have a home or a place. And some of you are nodding your heads. You, you know the feeling. 
And I think that a lot of us have the same experience, that we don't exactly have a place to call home, a place that we fit in for a variety of reasons. Some of you might not even feel at home in your own skin. I think some of us do feel that more sharply than others. Some of us come from a different place like me and my cousin, never quite fit in, still wonder if I'm accepted or welcome. It's hard to, it's hard to feel that way. Um, and there are you know, people that literally don't have homes to live in. There are people that, uh, li that move uh, are lease to lease. So they sign up for one lease, and then a few months later, a year later, they move. Have you ever experienced this? You might not even fully unpack before you're packing up again. Some, some of you have boxes in your homes now that you still haven't unpacked. You moved them, and you think you need whatever's in that box, and you don't. Sometimes your box lives house to lease to lease. Just you doesn't move a packed box, and it doesn't. It, it doesn't. Just as do you really need the stuff if you're just like carting it around and you're never using it? That's just a good. That's a good philosophical question. Nevertheless, you live lease to lease. You could be students, maybe not. A lot of my North Philly neighbors move around too. Our block has had some turnover. It's, it's a common way of life for a lot of people. Yeah, some of you uh, don't really see Philadelphia as your home yet. Some of you may have lived here for a better part of a decade and you still don't think it's home. You know, our congregation is moving locations in about two weeks. And that might make you feel insecure about your home, too. Some of you have never felt at home here. But you might feel like this is more home than wherever we go next. It's difficult. So this merge with another congregation might feel difficult, too. You might feel out of place. You might feel like there isn't a home for you, a room for you. I want to encourage you, though, because I think Christians, as God remakes us, just like we were singing about, this new creation, generally might have a feeling of being out of place. So when you uh, discover who you really are in God, you don't quite feel at home in the world that we happen to live in. And that sense of a displacement is okay. <coughs> For some of us, especially those who feel particularly at home here, we might not ask ourselves that question much. But I think a lot of us do experience a sense of not belonging, of wondering if, you're, if you can totally connect. And I, I, I experience that all the time in my life, you know. I'm still, uh, we just started a school. So now I'm, I'm getting used to a new ecosystem. Even on the playground, I wonder, is this my, can I, my, my, are these my people yet? Can I talk to them? I want to talk to them. I don't know if they'll talk to me back. I kind of just hang around on the playground and wait to see if someone approaches me. I don't know how to, I don't know the ecosystem yet very well. I think as Christians, that sense of homelessness is okay. I do think we try to belong. We try to find our place. We try to make our lives work in this world using the tools and the means that the world gives us. Right? How do I make the most of where I am? For some of us, that is simply like trying to make ends meet. 
I might not know if I belong here, but I'm at least going to try to make this work, so I'm going to get a job. Maybe I'll find a meaningful vocation. Maybe that'll help me find a place of belonging. Get married, have children. Isn't that kind of the, uh, the path that many of us are kind of told to go on? Or maybe you want to live your life untethered by all those commitments so that you can feel like you can travel around if you want. Maybe seek new dreams and new adventures so your sense of home isn't so tethered to your context. You want to be free. And so, no, I don't want to get married or have kids or sign a long-term contract or anything like that. You know, I, I think all those things are cool, whether you live untethered in hotel rooms or whether you're really grounded in where you are. But I don't think they really offer the solution we need because I don't think they're answering the questions that we're asking. Some people do live perfectly happy, homely lives, if you will, content with who they are and what they do. This, might, this, this, this whole premise and this whole dilemma might just be beyond you because you're totally happy and you're where you are. And if that's you, that's okay. This might not feel like very applicable to you. You know, I don't really need to deconstruct your world if you're happy in it. If you really think this is, this is, this is all good and I have my perfect sense of home for the time I am on earth. But I do think there's more to the world than whatever fulfillment of this kind of American dream looks like. And I think that idyllic life that we're all trying to find um, falls short for many of us. And so even if you're perfectly sa satisfied in your time and place, there's no shortage of people who aren't. And so if the church offers someone some more than what the world does, and you don't need it because you're happy where you are, I do think a lot of people do still. So I still think it's an important message. We're talking about the prophetic imagination the last four weeks, Walter Brueggemann's book. Do I have a picture of Brueggemann? Oh, no, I don't. Did you make one? Yes, I did. I'm going to have to solve this problem. I made a lot of slides. And this speech needs those slides or else you're never going to be able to follow it. This is a big dilemma. If I go back to my office and try to sync this, how disruptive is this going to be for you? This is a real question. Just say don't. We'll try to track along or go do it. Here's what I want you to talk about while I'm gone, okay? I want you to have a discussion. I want you to keep centered. Talk about something that reminds you of home, if it's a taste or an experience. Someone asked me that this week. Hibiscus tea reminds me of home. We call it kerkade in Arabic. So I was trying to buy some hibiscus tea. I was telling you about this. So you have to talk about this out loud with each other. Is that okay? That's what we're getting to, what Mim is talking about. So I'm really grateful you shared that. The prophet is a little out of place. Here's Brueggemann. I keep finding pictures of him. And I like, I like all of them. And I have a deep affection for the man. So the prophets of the Old Testament, the whole Bible is really concerned with this idea of home and finding home. And the prophets of the Old Testament are coming into a, um, whatever kingdom it is, Israel or Judah or wherever, and they're trying to bring, they're bringing the Israelites back home. They're bringing the Jewish people back home, back to where they are. You see, God made a people out of freeing them from slavery in Egypt, and God promises them a place to call home. 
and their story is about finding that home and then being taken. Uh, they find the home and through disobedience and other things they get taken over by empire after empire, thrown into captivity and out of captivity. The death that God promises them for their disobedience is captivity, essentially. That's the idea. Because if there are people without a home, it's like they're dead. You know, and the, the, the famous psalm says, how can, we, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? How do I, uh, how can I sing by the rivers of Babylon? God promises them a place to call home, and they long for it even as they're far away. Their story is all about finding that home. The prophets are trying to get them back to where God wants them, at home, in their land, in their way of life. The project comes to its fullness in the person of Jesus Christ, who wants to redeem the whole world and bring the whole world home, if you will. And the covenant made between God and Abraham, inaugurated by Moses as he frees the Israelites, is extended to the whole world when Jesus arrives. And Jesus is in a time where the Jewish people don't exactly have a home, but they're essentially living where they need to live in Israel, even though they're under Roman captivity. Their faith and their way of life is largely intact. The ruling party, is uh, they call them the Sadducees, and they have uh, a comfy relationship with the Romans, even if the Romans are kind of messing up their, their tradition. And there are some who are more conservative, if you will, that want to bring it back to authentically what God was calling them. We call those the Pharisees. Have you ever heard those names in the Bible? That's the idea. The Pharisees just want to separate from Rome and create their own world. The Sadducees are more comfortable with uh, kind of being Greek. That's a little tension happening. That sense of home is a big part of the New Testament even. But then Jesus does an amazing thing the whole incarnation is about home. He becomes a human. He becomes one with us. He finds his home on earth and with us. He calls us to find our home in with him. John 15, 4. I don't have the clicker, Jeremy, so you, can you be my clicker? Abide in me as I abide in you. Make your home in me as I make my home in you. Make your abode in me as I make my abode in you. Our true home is with Jesus. Jesus comes to earth and makes this place his home. He makes this place his home in order to tell us that we truly find our home in him. It's a very radical thing to do. And that's what we're trying to do. There's something, there's something paradoxical about this approach. He makes himself at home in our time and place, and then calls us to find our true home in him. The prophet is bringing us back home, and in order to do that, she comes to terms with the place that she's in, its limits, and tries to be at home there while also moving us closer to our true home. Jesus is doing that through us now, and he does it through still his incarnation or you might say his fleshliness, his humanity. Today we share God's love by being human to one another, by having a relationship, by being connected 
just like Jesus did. Our church is then an example of this home, this abode. People come to find their place with us. They're finding their little bit of home with us too. We're then moving to include and create more of a home with them. Meanwhile, we're moving the whole world towards its home in Jesus. That's the work of being a Christian. We have a proverb in Circle of Hope that says, we intend to keep all the great things God has given through the church of the past and be totally at home in our own time, ready and able to relate to the people of our day. Do we have this one, Jeremy? My fonts are all messed up. We know this isn't the ultimate place for us. We make our home uh, in Jesus in order to relate to the people of our day by inviting them into the fullness. And so we're doing something careful because we can name where the world isn't working. We criticize the order of the day. But we amaze it by bringing something new to it. The prophet criticizes the order that has made the world anything but a home for people, and then they make a home for those who feel left out and alone. Our prophecy makes us aware of our and their out-of-placeness and invites them into something fuller. Here's how Brueggemann says Jesus does it. He criticizes the order in a few ways. He names the falseness of this world in order to inaugurate something new. Even in birth, when a new king is born, Herod, the king of the time that Jesus is born, orders the execution of all the, all the kids because he hears that a new king is going to be born. That will threaten him. But Jesus lives and even in that little baby's life, he makes false this, this throne and says, no, I'm the king here. He makes it clear that the king's throne is false and that he's bringing something new. We have a slide of this. Do you have a clicker? Would this be easier for if I produce the, if I do this? No, you can't. <laughs> and then the shepherds in Luke Hear the news first. And that is also a new way. This, this, this news is notified to the world through lowly people. Another critique of how things happen in the world. And then in his life, Jesus continues to critique the orders of the world because he freely forgives and he gets in trouble because he acts like God. This man forgives like he's God, they say. Thereby criticizing the worldly structures that have guarded the forgiveness apparatus. It needs to happen through a certain structure. Jesus says, no, it can happen right here. This is the genuine assault on the political and religious order of the day. Similarly, he does respect the Sabbath, but not the control of the Sabbath. He didn't allow it, its allow it to impose structures and demand on him. On the contrary, Jesus says the Sabbath is about freedom from demand. Don't make it the anti-Sabbath by forcing me to do it in a certain way, in a certain time, and using it to kind of destroy my work. 
Add to this his resistance of paying taxes in the temple authority. Jesus is decentralizing power from a singular place and moving it into the whole community. The incarnation makes God less abstract and thereby lessens the need for centralization. There doesn't need to be a central authority controlling who accesses God because God is with us. We are now the body of Christ. There isn't a special access to it. Jesus is disrupting this order and making it quite uncomfortable for the powers. He also, he, uh, sorry, I'm still on this one. He heals people that are untouchable. He eats with outsiders. He empowers people that were formerly not empowered, like women. He's using marginal people, and when he wasn't, he's transforming the lives of people who were formerly served, who formerly served the power structures to serve God. And then also in his compassion, he exhibits the deepest possible empathy. He becomes one with us. He feels what we feel. Even the term compassion in the Bible means letting one's innards embrace the feeling or the situation of another. Compassion is all about feeling what people who suffer pain feel. Bringing that to light is a critique of the numbness of the powers. Jesus' emotion, Jesus' emotion was a critique itself. Jesus' anguish is a critique by itself. And you can see his anguish in John 11. This is when he raises Lazarus from the dead and he weeps. And also in Luke 16, when he mourns over Jerusalem and how it's kind of fallen apart and he weeps over it. He feels the loss. It's an amazing moment because in his death, finally, he delivers his final critique of the world by embracing suffering and death and showing it has no power over him. And that's the ultimate critique of the established power. The worst thing you can do to me is kill me, and it still doesn't work. I'm making a comedy of your powers. And the beautiful part is Jesus is not numb to death in the pain of it. And he feels it. He feels it with Lazarus, even in that moment. Even though he's victorious over it. He's still sensitive to it. But more than just being critical, Jesus offers energy and amazement, as Brueggemann puts it, for a new way of life. He's inaugurating something new and something that stands against all the discerned data and in the face of doubt and resistance to those to whom he came. And in a lot of cases, this happens very similarly in birth. For example, his birth is announced through a song, not a decree. A little difference. Oh, there's a new way of doing things. Maybe even in song we'll do it. Luke in particular, um, Jesus is born during a time of a census. Something new is happening, even right under the seat of power. And Jesus is bringing a new order to the world. So that's a simple way it happens. 
in his mi- ministry, a new uh, way of life is born. We see this in Luke 7:22. When John's disciples, this is John the baptizer that we mentioned earlier, ask if Jesus has arrived, he reports back, someone out loud, read this. How do you know the Son of Man is here? Luke 7:22 tells you. Read it out loud. You guys don't want to read? The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. That's how you know Jesus is here, because those things are happening. There's a new order, a new way of life occurring. And Jesus' teachings add to this. They not only criticize the powers, they offer a blessing to the disenfranchised as well. They speak to the marginalized specifically. You can see this all over the New Testament, but especially in Luke, you see this. He blesses the marginalized. I'll have another Bible passage. Are you ready to read this? Is someone going to read it, or should I do it again? Just checking. Read the blessings. This is from Luke. It's like the Beatitudes. Someone allowed to read this. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for you are the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you, reject your name as evil, because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leave for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. He is talking to his disciples, the people that have found a home in him, and they say, all the feelings of loneliness that you experience in the world are blessings because you found my, your home in me. And rest assured, the prophets have felt this way too. He's comforting the people that feel without a home. He's creating a new sense of belonging that extends beyond the powers, that when you don't feel at home, God is still with you. And then he'll add to it, and here's his critique. Someone out loud, read this. He's talking to the people that have excluded the others. What do they say? But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. Jesus is kind of going a little bit more than I was, but if you feel too much comfort here, if you feel like your place is too secure here, maybe something's wrong. Maybe we're not supposed to feel so comfortable here. Jesus finally completes the new home for us in resurrection. The completely new order, one that even denies the order of physical law, that alone, let alone the royal and imperial order. Jesus can't even, doesn't, death doesn't even hold him. So for us, the, the, the criticism and energy of Jesus guide us because we can prophetically speak against the evil that has excluded so many people from their sense of home. And then we can create an alternative and invite people to it. To go back to where I started, we won't feel home, at home, all the time. 
And when we're following Jesus, you might feel your own sense of homelessness in the world. But like Mim was saying, you become content with where you are because you know that your security and your belonging is somewhere else. We're creating a new sort of home for people without one. And in, or in order to do that, we have to learn the culture around us, figure out how to help it respond and listen to us. We're not just doing a countercultural thing. We're not just content to make a separate community. Rather, we're like invasive separatists. We're right here at home in our time and place creating something new. We can't just, and, and, and be careful, you can't just fundamentalize your radicality and force people to agree with you because that's rather the way of the world. We're bringing people along. We're saving them from the wickedness that surrounds them. And that takes some gentleness and intentionality. Get to know the home that you're in, just like Jesus did in his own incarnation. Becoming in touch with our out-of-placeness in the world will help us include someone else because we know what it's like to be out of place. It guides our gentleness. Jesus is our model. At home in the world and his own humanity and critiquing it where he needs to and casting a vision forward for something new. That's the kind of space we're trying to hold here. Let's pray and do some talk back. Thank you, Lord, for being present and being with us and, 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 and for the possibility to find a home in you. Comfort us in our, in our out-of-placeness. Uh, May we become at peace with where we are and when we are. Try to invite someone else into something new. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.